good to be with you guys again. Thanks for having me back. I uh, I kind of told Kyle where I've where I've been studying and things like that. Um, I'm the student pastor over at Grace Church in Maryland Heights. Uh, been there for a little bit now. Um, doing some awesome stuff. My, me and my wife are responsible for a whole generation. She's got birth through sixth grade. I got seventh through twelfth. No pressure. Um, but God is doing some great stuff. So it's awesome to be back with you. I know you guys have been studying Galatians, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, when I talked with Kyle, I kind of told him where we were at and what we've been studying. And he's like, great, go ahead and just do what you've been doing. So um, if this jacks up anything that you've been studying or learning, blame Kyle. It's not my fault. All right. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do where I've been at <laughs> for a little bit now. Um, our students over at Grace, we've been on this topic of worship, um, of what it looks like, why we're doing it, and just just kind of diving in some things, um, why it's important, and all of that. So this morning, I want to look at something um, something pretty special. It's what many would call moments of worship. And the reason why is because I believe the moments of worship is what ultimately leads you to a lifestyle of worship. And I think that is where the Lord is really, really wanting to get us towards, a lifestyle, or dare I say, a death style of worship. And I'll hit on that, um, why I'm saying it like that. But if you got your Bibles, go to Romans, uh, Romans chapter 12. This is a scripture growing up that just... I struggled with. I thought it was ridiculous. Like, why is it in the Bible? Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. This is, this is just one of those scriptures that, that got me growing up. And, and finally, the Lord just had to, like, open my eyes to it and really see. But it says, and I think I got God's, words, God's word translation. It says, brothers and sisters, in view of all we, that we have just shared about God's compassion, I encourage you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices dedicated to the Lord, dedicated to God, and pleasing to Him. This kind of worship is appropriate for you. So I struggled growing up with that whole phrase where it says living sacrifices. I was like, what? Because I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, how can something be alive and living yet be a sacrifice. That, that was ridiculous to me. And finally, I understood what this is talking about because it's really talking about me. It's really talking about you. It's talking about us. And I'll get to that later on. But too many times, I think we get caught up in the moments of worship and how it can look. And because we don't look like so-and-so, and because we don't sing as beautifully as Greg up here, and because we don't play guitar or we don't play piano and things like that, we don't worship at all. Because the look of, of worship, how it looks and how it sounds, the look of worship can keep us from the impact of worship. And I think too many times we're, we're missing out. Because of how we view of, or, or something, how something can look. You hold yourself hostage in a moment of worship all because of what you're thinking. Well, I don't want to lift my hands. 
I don't want to sing that song. I don't know the lyrics. Got lyrics on the screen, dude. <laughs> you know? I don't know that song. I don't want to. You know, that ain't how I was raised. All, we come up with all these different kinds of excuses and stuff. Look, some of y'all sound like wounded animals when you sing. That's okay. It's all right. My dad falls into that. That dude can't carry a note to save his life. He's a pastor over in Cool Valley, and I, I'm a drummer, and I, I'd be on the drums, and I hear that dude sing. I'm like, Pop, stop. Bro, you're going to make people leave. Like, just lift your hands, dude. <laughs> you make you cry. If the Bible says make a joyful noise, some of y'all are that. It's all right. But just because that's you, that shouldn't keep you from worshiping. I told, man, that dude can't carry a note, but he's one of the strongest worshipers I know. That dude will run up and down the aisles and be singing, dancing, lifting his hands. Don't get caught up in the, in, in, in the moments of worship and forget to make this a part of your everyday life. Don't get caught up in how it looks. Your feelings about corporate worship, worship in a room like this, can, can cause you to miss out on the private worship. And, and my thing is, is it's, it's cool that we can come in here on a, on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, or whenever, and lift our hands and worship for a good 15 to 20 minutes, whatever the case may be. But what is your life looking like when you leave here? What does worship look like for you when, throughout the rest of the week? What's worship going to look like you for tomorrow and Tuesday when nobody else is around? What's it going to look like? How are you worshiping when nobody else is looking? Moments of worship are basically the times in which you have an encounter with the Lord, a, a, a time of worship, and it's so powerful, it's so intense, or it's so special that it did something to you. And it, it, it has a lasting impact on you. That's what I'm talking about when I say moments of worship. It's you having an encounter with the Lord. Something that you'll never forget. And so there's this story in the Bible about this dude named Jacob over in Genesis 32. And, and some of you have heard about him. He's a twin. He was the second born. Uh, big brother was Esau. Interesting thing about that is that when Esau was born, Jacob was holding on to his brother's heel. Just picture that for a second. You know, a woman gives birth to a child. Congratulations, it's a boy. But another hand is holding on to the heel. Like, what? I'm out. <laughs> Just picture that. The Bible talks about how, they, they, how the mother is describing them while she was pregnant, and they were fighting in the womb. She, she just felt them tumbling and wrestling, and sibling rivalry at its best, even in the womb. And so they named him Jacob, which means supplanter or holder of the heel. And the Bible talks about how growing up, they were just, Esau and Jacob were just clashing, man. Constantly fighting each other. Jacob is a hustler. He, hustle, he hustles him out of that birthright because he knew that, man, when you're the firstborn, you get everything. That's why Jacob was holding on to that heel even at birth. Like, bro, I want that. I want, I, I want what's coming. And so it talks about how he, how he hustles Esau out of his birthright like twice, if I'm not mistaken. 
So they're growing up, and, and it comes to this point where they're, they're older. They both got families. They both are kind of prestige men, and, and Esau's kind of running things, and Esau's coming after Jacob. And Jacob's like, oh, man, catching up to me. But not only is Esau coming, he's bringing like 400 men with him. And Jacob's like panicking. And at this particular moment in this, in this story, he's, he knows Esau's coming. He's trying to reach a certain point, a certain destination, and he sends out his, his men. He sends his family before him. He's like, y'all go ahead. I'm going to stay back behind, and I'm going to try and figure this out. And Jacob is at a standstill. And all of a sudden, another man shows up, and a fight breaks out. Look at verse 24. It says, so Jacob was left alone. Then a man wrestled with him until dawn. When the man saw that he could not win against Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that it was dislocated as they wrestled. Then the man said, let me go. It's almost dawn. But Jacob answered, I won't let you go until you bless me. So the man asked, what's, the, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. The man said, you will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. He struggles with God because you have struggled with God and with men, and you have won. Jacob said, please tell me your name. The man answered, why do you ask for my name? Then he blessed Jacob there. So Jacob named that place Peniel, face of God, because he said, I have seen God face to face, but my life has been saved. The sun rose as he passed Penuel. He was limping because of his hip. Therefore, even today, the people of Israel do not eat the muscle of the thigh attached to the hip socket because God touched the socket of Jacob's hip at the muscle of the thigh. Moments of worship should lead you to a lifestyle of worship. There's a moment in my life, it was called a wedding, where I stood before God, I stood before witnesses in front of a pastor, and I made this covenant with God. And with the woman that I call my wife, she's pretty hot. She gave me four wonderful kids. That moment changed my life. I could not walk from that day of standing before witnesses, the pastor, and made these covenant vows. I, could not, I couldn't any longer live the day like a single man. That moment in my life changed me. It's the same thing with worship. Your moments with God should change you. I want to give you two things to take away from this story. Here's the first thing. Worship doesn't always need a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice. Why am I saying that? Because of what I read earlier. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices dedicated to God and pleasing to Him. Listen, to have worship a part of your everyday life... It's going to cost you something. It's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be convenient. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your time, sometimes your money, sometimes your energy, your effort. It's going to cost you something. What are you willing to pay to have that encounter with God? What are you willing to give up? It's a true sacrifice, man. Jesus said over in Luke 14, yo, you better be ready to leave your mother and father if you want to, like, roll with me. You got to love me more than even them. It's like, oh, for real? 
Think about that story with the rich young ruler. Jesus, what do I got to do to be a part of your team? Uh, go sell everything and then come holler at me tomorrow. Bible says he walked away sorrowful. He wasn't ready to give up. He wasn't ready to sacrifice. And this is like a foreign concept to a lot of us because we're preaching that Christianity is just hoo-hoo, joy, joy, sunshine, rainbows, unicorns, farting rainbows, and it's not, it's, that's not it all the time. This Christian lifestyle is hard. Jesus is like, yo, you better be ready to go through something because I look what they put me through. They're like, no, nah, that's, that's too much. Jesus, you cool and all, but I still want to be in control. That shouldn't be the case. We don't have a problem making him savior because that's our get out of hell free card. I'll make, yes, you're my savior. We got a hard time making him Lord. It's a difference. Making him Lord means you ain't got no control. Get yourself out the way. And we have a hard time with that. We're, we're, we're too busy caught up in this selfish, it's all about me culture. And the problem is, is that same culture has infiltrated the church and it's totally against the kingdom. It's totally opposite of how Jesus and the, and the kingdom of God operates. God, God is calling us to adopt this mindset of death to self. And we don't understand that. We won't be comfortable. We, some of y'all ticked off you came in here this morning. Somebody was sitting in your seat. <laughs> it's not about being comfortable or convenient, man. Lord, your will be done. That's what it's about. God, I want your presence. Really? You ready to stop hanging with those friends of yours then? God, I need you to move in my life. All right. Stop dating that girlfriend or boyfriend. But he's so cute. He's calling us to some stuff, man. Listen, I had to, I had to leave a lot of folks alone. I, I, I had to sacrifice a lot of relationships because I knew what God was calling me to. See, we want the goodness of God, but we don't, we don't want the wrestle. God, I just want you. Really? All right. Turn the TV off for two weeks. Wait, the new season just started. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I try to fast like twice a year, like hardcore, just nothing, just me and the Lord. And there was, <laughs> I'm telling on myself, there, there was one time the Lord was like, I really need you to fast. I was wrestling hard. I was like, Lord, it's football season. Like, I just got the Sunday ticket. I get to watch the Steelers like every Sunday. You want me to, I'm coming up with all these different excuses. And God's just like, it's going to be worth it. Come on. It's going to be worth it. We're too busy worried about being comfortable and, and making sure things are going right. When in reality, there's nothing comfortable about this Christian lifestyle for real. There's nothing comfortable about it. Here's the second thing. Jacob was desperate for a change. He was desperate. This is the only option that he has in life right now. Once again, encounters with the Lord leave you changed. 
Jacob was changed after this encounter with the Lord. He was desperate for it. Anytime your hip is out of socket and you still wrestling, you're desperate. You're desperate for a win. This is the kind of dude I want with, with me. Like, if I got to walk through a dark alley at 2, two o'clock in the morning on the south side of St. Louis, I want to do like Jacob with me. Well, my man's hip is a dislocated and he's still wrestling. He's still got Jesus in a headlock. Can't walk straight. Think about this. They are wrestling, and I'm not talking like WWE choreographed. No, I'm talking all-out brawl, UFC style. Anybody watch UFC? There was a nice event last night. It was pretty cool. That, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of stuff that was taking place all night long. They're wrestling, and Jacob is so determined and he's so strong that Jesus can't get the upper hand and so Jesus cheats and touches his hip and throws it, he dislocates his hip. And so now they're on the ground tumbling and wrestling and going back and forth. Jesus is like, yo, let me go, man, it's daylight. No, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Bro, I'm tired. We've been doing this too long. Let, let me go. Dude, enough is enough. No. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I need a blessing. I've been scheming and hustling my whole life. Those blessings that I got in the past didn't work. I need the real thing right now. Hmm. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. All right, what, what's your name? Jacob. Nope, not any longer. Your name is Israel now. Wrestles with God, strives with God. Jacob got a new identity and a new authority. That's what your name is. It's your character and your authority. And it changed that day because he was desperate for it. Got a new identity. The whole nation of Israel is because of this moment. Think about that. The nation that we now call Israel is because of this moment in history. He was desperate for it. He's at the end of his wits. Nothing is working out. His brother is coming after him. Along with 400 men, he's been scheming all his life. The blessings that he hustled in the past from his father, it didn't hold nothing. And he needed the real thing. That's crazy. The nation of Israel is because of this night. That's like, this city now is no longer St. Louis, it's St. Lenny. It's kind of got a nice ring to it. Might need to work on that. That's just a city, though. This is just the city in Missouri. We're talking about a whole nation is because of this moment. But God changes his character and his authority. And what he was once known as, he changes that to something else. Jacob come around, you like, hey, bro, you, bet you got your wallet? Here come Jacob. That, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of reputation he had. He's always scheming, always plotting. But he got a new walk that day, literally. <laughs> he got a new walk. He got a new walk with the Lord. And he got a new walk physically because the Bible says that he walked with that limp the rest of his life. 
But in the mind of Jacob, it was worth it. He might be walking with that limp, but he'll never forget it. And it's what causes him to change, all because of that moment. That's why he renames the place, and he's putting a memory to this thing. For the rest of his life, he'll remember this moment. See, what looked like a straight-up brawl, anybody walking past would be like, man, what are these fool, two fools fighting? But in the eyes of Jacob, that was worship. That was worship. This is his moment. He recognized his moment. He's like, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm about to risk it all. I don't care. Only got two options at this point. It's either death or captivity when it comes to my brother Esau. I ain't got nothing to lose. I need a blessing. You go on and read the rest of this story. They, they meet each other. They finally come face to face. And it's like nothing. It, it, it kind of blows Jacob's mind. Because Esau, like, falls on his neck and they're hugging and they're, he's kissing him on his cheek and things like that. He's, where's your family at? Where's, and he's like, man, I was trying to send you gifts to kind of ease up the tension. He's like, man, I don't need those gifts. Blows Jacob's mind. But it's because he was desperate for, for God to intervene. He was desperate for something to happen in his life. And Jacob never forgets it. Leads him to this lifestyle of worship. What looked, what looked like a UFC match was actually worship. So once again, what does worship look like to you? When you hear worship, are you thinking the songs that we've just sung, the lifting of hands? Is, is that all that comes to mind, or do you think about blessing somebody who's in need? That's worship. You getting the, the thought in your head to go to the nearest fast food restaurant and buy up 50 cheeseburgers and going downtown St. Louis and blessing the homeless, that's worship. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. That's worship unto the Lord. When you put yourself out there and meeting the needs of somebody else, that's worship. Sitting with the kid at the lunchroom who has no friends, that's worship. Showing kindness to somebody else. You giving to the poor. How about you obeying your parents, you young people in here? Y'all don't want to hear that one, but hey, that's worship. <laughs> Got real quiet. <laughs> Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. It's a hard one. Obedience is, a, is an act of worship. Jacob was so desperate that he eventually gets his blessing and, and history is forever changed. Greg, you can come back up. I'm done, but I want you guys to, to understand that the moments or the encounters with God are, are what, it's what we should be yearning to have. My encounter with the Lord came about 19 years of age. Like I said, my dad is, I'm, I'm 38 now, and my dad was a pastor growing up, and I, I got to the point where 
It's not like Jacob, but I was desperate because of the life that I was living. I wasn't living this thing, and it was either it was either death <laughs> or like jail for me, and I knew I had to leave the city because of the people and the that I was running with and the life that I was living, and I got to a point where I said, God, I, if you are truly, truly real, I need you to show up in my life. I need you to do something. And I remember what I call violent prayers. I was so angry with the Lord. I don't even know why. And I think I was really, truly angry at myself. And I'm just letting it all loose. I'm letting it all out. And I remember holding, I still got this Bible. My mother bought it for me when I was about 15, signs it for me and puts a prayer in there for me and all of that. I remember holding that Bible and I said, if you're real, I, got, I need you to be God of Lenny. I don't need the God of my parents, the God of my aunts and uncles, the God of my grandmother. I don't need that. I need you to be God in my life. And I threw the Bible up against the wall and it hit the wall and it bounced on my bed and it flipped open to Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I set you apart. That was my encounter. And it was so intense that I got it tattooed on my arm, Jeremiah 1.5. I'll never forget it. That's what got me. But that encounter is what's leading me to this lifestyle. And because the encounter was so intense, I got to go back for another one. God, you did it back then. You got, I need another one. I, I because I'm going through this right now. It's the same thing. Whatever you guys are facing, be yearning for that encounter. That's what's going to lead you to the lifestyle or the death style because you're dying to yourself. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you that every single person in here, you know their situations, you know their lives better than they even know. So I thank you for them. I thank you for the families represented. And Father, this morning we ask that you just show up in our lives. Thank you for the encounter that you want to have with us. You want to have the moment with us. Lord, I thank you for any single person in here who hasn't had it. I thank you that you show up tonight, tomorrow, the next day, or the next. But, Father, let them have an encounter with you that leads to a lifestyle of worship. Thank you that you're meeting every need. You're healing everybody that needs to be healed. You're moving in every single life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.